Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Dino, Dino, how you doing, bud? Hey, very good, very good. Back in the pod seat. Yeah, it's good to be back. It feels... feels like it hasn't been, but it feels like it's been a while. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. School season's back. Everything's back, man. It's September. It's like a good natural kind of like start up, restart. I don't know what it is, but it feels different. It feels good. Yeah. It always feels like September feels like a new start line for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the summer's come to a closure and whatever projects are we're waiting for, you can kind of focus on them. Yeah. You know, Finn, my older son started kindergarten and that's yeah. obviously a new start line for him. And it's funny, he's going to the same elementary school I went to, so it feels like I'm reliving like some of that <laughs> that experience. I loved I loved my elementary school, so yeah. it's uh, it's cool. It's cool so to good. see. We had one teacher that was still there for my day, that just retired last year. She was 77. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. I still see some of my elementary school teachers around. Yes, and a couple of them were runners, and I still see them out running every once in a while, and wow. they're like. You know, they were te- when when you're a kid, everyone who is like your parents' age is old, but they were like old. Yes. When I was in school, and I see them, and they're still out there moving now, and I'm like, man, way to go! That's it's amazing. Really cool. Yeah. Run as you are, you know. Yeah. Run as, run you, as are. you are. Hey, yeah. So good. All right. So what's happening this week? Who do we have? Man, this one is a really really good one. It's uh, it's kind of a cool story. Friend friend of ours, uh, neighbor, even at one point, um, people. Good, good, good people that have uh, endured some really, really challenging um, things. And um, happy to have half of this power couple on the pod today, Ayako Gallagher, her husband, Patty. Shout out to Patty. He's a great dude. Um, but yeah, Ayako came on to talk about her life as a mother and as a, as a mother who learned how to deal with the loss of a child um, in utero. And so she talks all about uh, baby loss and grieving and how to, you know, come back as a person. You're inevitably changed. This is, this is something that like marks you. And so, you know, how do you, how do you navigate life after 
the, you know, your all of the expectation of having a child and then finding out that this child is not coming in the way that you anticipated. Uh, so yeah, definitely like, you know, heavier in terms of topic, but really, really important. And I think that, you know, the work that she's doing through her, through her Instagram, um, it's called Mama's Matter here. And just like bringing into the light that this is something that happens way more frequently than people talk about and really empowering herself and others through the sharing of story, which is beautiful. And which is what we always want to do through the podcast is share stories that inspire and empower others. And so this one is a little bit different in terms of it is like, it's difficult to talk about, um, but it's important. And the fact that it's difficult doesn't make it any less important for us to talk about. You got to have those hard conversations. And I think just as you said, she's shining a light. Yes on a path that uh, needs illuminating mm-hmm. um, for for herself, for, for ourselves, and for, you know, many, many, many others in the extended community. So, yeah, we got into parenting after loss, stages of grief, mental health, creating community for others to share their experiences and heal, language and communication. I think that can sometimes be like a, a barrier, not knowing what to say, mm-hmm. not knowing how to show up. Um, so we get into language and communication, um, with those who have experienced loss, how to support and show up through loss, holding space. Um, yeah, it was a, a really eye-opening, healing conversation full of love and compassion. And I'm grateful for uh, Ayako and, and the space that she's holding. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So this is an important one. Obviously, for, for some of us, it may be harder than others, as we may know or ourselves have experienced loss like this. And so just, you know, be uh, be gracious with yourself as you as you listen to this one, but it is important. Um, we're so grateful for for Echo's courage and the storytelling that she does, and that she was willing to come on and and talk about this and and kind of just like raise that level of awareness um, where we typically would like not know what to say and therefore like not want to say anything. And she really takes that head on and and invites us to to look at in our own lives the areas of grief that we carry and specifically for her uh, and her fam, just like around, around, um, the loss of, of children. So very, very, very important work that she's doing, but. All right, here we go. Yeah. I echo Gallagher, everyone. All right. All right. Here we are back again with our friend Ayako Gallagher. Welcome, welcome to A Little More Good. Thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. Um, we've we've known each other for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were neighbors for a while, like yeah. literally next door neighbors, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, man, with your husband, Patty, too, mm-hmm. just uh, connected with him and Scott through Milltown, through some like memorial services like a bunch of years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's just been like these cool overlaps. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, when we found out you guys were moving next door, a few years ago like oh that was so awesome and then lots has happened since then hey yeah yeah yeah. but uh, we're so excited to have you on the podcast um, talking about a part of your life your story that is really um, powerful uh, impactful and I think will resonate with a lot of people regardless of their whether they're parents or not but talking about um, loss and specifically child loss and 
premature, like baby, baby loss. Mm -hmm. And so um, you've done a lot of work being public with your story, with your grief, uh, creating community. And so we want to dive into all of those things. But first and foremost, just thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here. No, I really appreciate, you know, normalizing this conversation and getting it out to mainstream media and people. And you're right, you know, even if you're not a parent, even if you don't plan on being one, everybody knows someone Mm -hmm. that has probably gone through a pregnancy or um, child loss and uh, and people are more and more talking about it and so to give that space for that grief is is so important I think everyone can learn something here even just to be a support person yeah yeah totally well and you're absolutely right like like you say it's it doesn't take long to like look around your circle of friends of course depending on you know what age and stage of life you are but in those kind of like child raising years we all really can know someone just you know right right within our circle who's experienced that and Mm -hmm. it seems often like it's not common and yet it is so so common Mm -hmm. and I think that yeah one of the things that I really admire about you is just like the work you're doing to kind of like raise that awareness and say yeah this happens it doesn't make it any less painful but like it's good to know community is so important in in having that support and so yeah how we show up for people and all that is is huge so yeah yeah there's something that for myself, uh, you know, being a male that didn't think much about pregnancy until I was kind of at that phase in my life where we wanted to have our first kid, our first child, Finn, I was totally naive to this. Like I thought, you know, you once you try to get pregnant, you'll get, you'll get it, you'll get pregnant on your first try. And, um, you know, I wasn't really aware of, of pregnancy loss. Um the loss of, of these these children until we started trying and, and we started surrounding ourselves with, you know, a community of other people that were trying to have babies or were at that phase that they were having babies. And, you know, we'd find out friends were pregnant and then they would, you know, lose that child or other other friends that have been trying for a long time and have gone through, you know, I want to get into language with you as well. Like, you know, I, we would say, you know, experience miscarriages or, or whatnot, which doesn't, you know, capture the life essence of, of these lost children. But I, I was completely unaware of how common this was for, for, you know, for us humans and for a normal thing for animals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really eye opening to me. So what, what is the, the stat like one in one in four of pregnant um, pregnancies don't go to full term? Or That's something right. Like that? Yeah. I believe it's one in four pregnancies um, and in miscarriage, and that doesn't even go into stillbirth, which is yes. a pregnancy loss after 23 weeks, um, and then, or sorry, 21 weeks, um, or, or neonatal death, which is um, they're born and then um, pass away um, soon after that, or infant loss. Um, and there's also the terminology of uh, TFMR, which is termination for medical reasons. Um, so that's, uh, you know, big topic of conversation um, now with what's going on in the States with mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. Um, and, uh, and so termination for medical reasons is when the mother's life or the baby's life is in peril um, or mental health or physical health. And so the pregnancy has to end. So um, lots of people are affected uh, by baby loss. And, um, uh, and I think it's really important that we start having these conversations and, you know, it's, it makes my heart so happy that like two men are Mm. asking me to come talk about it. You know, like it doesn't just pregnancy loss isn't just about the woman that experiences and endures 
the actual loss. You know, it affects the families, it affects the parents and and loved ones and friends. So yeah, how how have you maybe seen that experience? I think that's a good point. And even in like prepping and thinking about this conversation, like that stands out as something that was maybe a bit of a blind spot, even for me, like that we're curious about having this conversation, Zach and I, but saying like, oh yeah, thinking like it mostly affects like the mother. And I mean, you can't, of course, of course it does because that's like you're housing this life. Mm -hmm. But like dads are just as involved in loving and caring and nurturing and creating and anticipating this child. Have you seen through your work like, dads reaching out to you as well or partners sharing like oh you know my partner was so supportive or or is looking for support and it doesn't seem like there's something out there for men or how, what, what's that experience been like just yeah. from your from your work? yeah definitely i think that um you know i i think the main thing uh is that everybody grieves differently mm. and so when uh uh you know a uh, a birthing parent goes through a loss, they may be grieving it differently than their partner. And um, and then the gender roles come into that too, where the man is supposed to provide and he feels, you know, the finance, maybe the financial burden more, or he's being told he's not allowed to cry. And so he's not um, supporting um, the mother um, as much as he, as she would want. So there's so many ways I can create all these other issues um, uh, and so I talk a lot about on my Instagram page, um, Mothers Matter here, about secondary losses. So there is that, you know, initial day or week where you <clears throat> have to endure the um, the pregnancy loss. But then there's not the there's not a lot of space given to people grieving the relationship um, burdens that it causes where, you know, your family doesn't recognize that as a you know, important enough loss to grieve or you um, grieve differently from your partner. So there becomes strife that way. There's no talk about the financial burden of having to take time off um, or in the States and other countries where you have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to miscarry your child um, and to get that health care. Um, there's also, you know, the loss of faith where you're like, how could God or whoever um, allow this to happen? So there's so many compounding um uh, you know, factors of grief that aren't talked about and, and it makes people feel very alone because mm -hmm. they're going through these things thinking that they're the only ones that have experienced it and they don't have anyone to lean on. And that's why I wanted to create a space and community <coughs> that we could, um, you know, talk about these things frankly and realize like, wow, there's other people that understand this sort of uh, yeah. hardship. Yeah. Even just that language of like secondary losses, I think is really important because primarily, obviously, it's it's the child, but then it's all of those things that go along with it that most people might, after a week or two weeks, like they kind of don't think about anymore. Mm -hmm. But those those experiences and that hardship, like that doesn't just go away yeah. necessarily because like some days have passed on the calendar. Yeah. And in fact, like as days pass, every day is like a new day where you can experience oh, this would have been this milestone mm -hmm. or right, seeing someone at the park or coffee shop or whatever it is with a child right around the same age. like, And yeah. all of those uh, moments that could be triggering in that and your friends like four months later are like thinking you're just, oh, you're good. Yeah. Like life's kind of moved on yeah. and not in like a callous or aloof way, but just like they're not experiencing those things as profoundly 
because they are more like secondary, but that yeah. doesn't minimize what they mm-hmm. what those feelings are. They're not like a tangible thing that people can see like, oh, there was a baby and then now it's dead. You know, like they don't right. see that, you know, the questioning of faith. They don't see the yeah. the the arguments that you have with your partner at home and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and you know what, to be totally frank, that I was the worst support person <laughs> ever before Emmy died. Like I was so awkward around death. Yeah, I was so awkward around like, well, I don't know how to support someone, so I just won't say anything at all. Right. Um, and I think, you know, it comes from this Western culture of um, having to grieve in private that we don't want to burden anyone else with death where it's really a part of life. You can't live without death. And and I think to be pushing people, um, you know, into the corners and out of our minds because, oh, it makes us too uncomfortable. I think that's a horrible way um, to live and to really understand, you know, that yin and yang in, in life and how um, everything sort of unfolds. And, you know, there are a lot of cultures that are a lot more community-based and, and family-based. Um, and I, for instance, I went to Oaxaca and Mac- for Day of the Dead and, you know, they celebrate death. And yeah. they it's just a part of life. And there's kids on the on the tombstones washing the, the grave, uh, gravestones and um, there's bands playing and, and it's, it's something to celebrate and you can't have life without it. So I think we need to start to change this narrative of, you know, grieving in the dark and alone mm-hmm. to just normalizing it and realizing like, oh yeah, this does happen. And oh yeah, there is so much more to someone's passing than just the day that they actually die. Yeah, totally. And grief is like not specific to any type of you know, one loss over the other. Like we're we're all going to experience death. Like mm-hmm. we'll face our mortality. That's just that's it. That's as true as the fact that we're here right now. But this is so interesting in our Western culture. Like it feels like we're trying to outrun it and not talk about it. And like like he said, like kind of put it in the corner and let's mm-hmm. ignore it rather than like start to deal with it and own it. And when we can like honor and celebrate mm-hmm. like the life that was and not just like shun this idea of like death. I think it's so important. And like, as I've watched your stories and, you know, we can talk about it a little bit later, but some of the the really powerful uh, things you've created to like honor Emmy and of course other children, hundreds, if not thousands of them mm-hmm. just down here at the river, like yeah. y- you're creating these passages for people to talk about and experience and grieve and mourn in a way that is like, honoring Mm -hmm. and important not just like in the in the quiet when it's you know air quotes appropriate to do so when no one's watching like you're making people pay attention yeah and I think that's so important like we need to I always say like we need to talk about death more with our kids with our friends like and not because it's like some morbid obsession but like there's this great saying like memento mori and it just means remember death like remember you will die and the, mm. the impetus is like so that you truly live because mm-hmm. if you just like keep putting it off and don't think about it it minimizes like what we have here and now and it minimizes the people that we have lost yeah you yeah know? i think that's it's such a good point and i i remember saying in another interview that you know it once you name it once you talk about it you take away the fear you take away its power you know where it, death is this you know omnipresent you know hooded figure um waiting for you and but if you if you speak about it then I feel like you really take away its power and you gain that back Mm. and then you're able to gain those your life back you know you can you can continue living um through the grief you know 
grief and joy can coexist. And I, and I don't think, I think we're so afraid of, you know, if we're grieving, then it means like we can't move on. And if, mm-hmm. so we just need to be happy and don't think about it and push it deep, deep down. But it's, it, it's not what happens. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get into the stages of grief and then from there, maybe we can rewind things back a little bit and you can share your story with yourself and, mm-hmm. and Emmy. Um, and we can kind of dive into some different directions from there. But I think grief is something, you know, we all grief and, and grieve in different ways. And like you guys are saying, like, I think in community, there's capacity to move towards healing and compassion and, and love. And if you keep it to yourself, it can be, you know, a very difficult, you know, hard, sad thing to carry on your own two feet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe we can kind of go through the stages of grief and, and grief burnout and then kind of share your your story of, of yourself and Emmy and kind of see where that leads us to. For sure. So um, I think it's so important, you know, I thought that with the stages of grief, um, we, you know, it's a denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. And I feel, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that like I thought that that was the stages of grief when somebody dies, you go through that and you get over it. Mm-hmm. It's very linear and it's, you know, go through those five stages and you're, you're done. You're at acceptance and you can move on. And, uh, and I started looking into it after Emmy passed and the stages of grief were done based on a 1969 study that was um, studying the uh, the effects of terminally ill patients coming to terms with their own own mortality. Mm. So this <clears throat> uh, scientist went into uh, um, a home where people were given their prognosis of that they're that they're going to die, and she would study the way that they dealt with coming to terms with their own death it was never meant to be for the bereaved it was never meant for people who continue living like you went through those stages and then you die right you know? yeah. but it was never meant for any of us that are still here living after someone we love have passed away so i think releasing that expectation of ourselves um to move through it it's not linear you know like grief is cyclical and you're going to it's going to live in your heart whether you like it or not whether you you know push it down for a few years it's going to come back and um until we start accepting it and learning to walk our life with it um you know it's always going to become a really hard struggle Mm. um whereas if you start you know accept it then you can honor it then you can give space to it um and continue building these relationships with those who have passed so that it's not so cut and dry. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, <laughs> I think more and more we're, we're learning or maybe it's better to say like unlearning uh, that most things in life are not linear. Like mm-hmm. we've created this 24 hour clock cycle, the, you know, year after year. And we've kind of convinced ourselves based on that to like, oh, everything just moves forward. And, you know, that's not certainly not like a, an indigenous way of knowing and understanding things, not just here in, you know, Canada and BC, but like around the world, ancient cultures understood things to be far more cyclical, right? Than, than just this like pattern of, of up and to the right, like progress and growth all the way. And I, it's such an important reminder. And it just made me think of when you were talking about how grief and joy can like coexist. Mm-hmm. And like that is nonlinear. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? When you think about that, it's not like, oh, you have one and then you move on to the next. It is that cyclical thing and you can moment to moment, I'm sure, as all of us think about like times when we've experienced loss or or, or navigating our grief is like you often laugh and cry so much in the lead up to like that person's memorial or at the event, mm-hmm. like the things that make you laugh and cry. It's like the same side of that coin. Yeah. Right. And I just, I, I think that's so important. That idea of it's, it's non-linear mm-hmm. and for people listening, like to hear that and feel validated when it's like, well, one day I was doing really good, but then I'm just like right back in this like dark pit again. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't just beat yourself up. Right. Cause, yeah. Cause a lot of the language when I think about it is like, time heals move on move forward and and just like you're talking about this linear time it's it's to to grieve and and find joy and and i i feel like the the goal is really to to move together it's not to move on or move forward it's Mm -hmm. to to have that grief with you but be able to to live with it with joy and compassion and happiness and also sorrow and sadness. It's not to forget and let go. It's to like be able to like move in, in any direction together. Um, So I'm, I know we'll get to language and communication Mm -hmm. at some point, but yeah, maybe we can, we can kind of pause here to, to hear your story with, with you and Emmy and, and we'll go from there. For sure, yeah. So I have. So first, I have a. Uh, I have a son. He's four now. Um, born in 2018, and we always planned that we would have him, um, which we, you know, first try on our honeymoon. We're like perfect, you know. And then we thought, okay, a year and a half later, we're gonna have another first try, perfect. Got pregnant again um, with Emmy, and um, losing her was the last thing from my mind because it just I never really knew anyone that had gone through or had spoken, no one had spoken up about it that I knew um, about uh, pregnancy loss. And uh, and then so in 2020, um, in March, I was uh, almost 19 weeks pregnant when we found out that um, I had had a missed miscarriage, which means that she had passed away without any visible sign, physical signs, um, on on my on my side so I didn't know that she had passed and she had actually passed away about a month prior to we based on the size of her when um, I birthed her um this is all also the first week of COVID um Mm -hmm. March 17th is around St. Patrick's Day you guys remember so um the hospitals were just in complete chaos because nobody knew what was going on um and uh yeah so I I went into the ER because I had started bleeding um and my doctor had told me, don't worry, it's fine. Finally, it had started to progress. So I, I went into the ER and they, uh, they gave me a couple ultrasounds. Uh, and no one actually ever said, I'm sorry, there is no heartbeat. Um, I remember being in the ultrasound room and the tech wasn't saying anything for a while. And I was just sitting, just laying there, just, you know, kind of just taking in a little bit extra time. You know, she must be in a bad position. And, but it was taking a long time and, uh, and she just put her hand on my knee and I, you know, I said, is she dead? And she just said, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then when the doctor came in, they just said, oh, I guess you, I guess you know what happened. So no one actually ever (laughs) said like that she passed away. So I went, so they gave me the option that night, you know, you can, um, you can, come back and have a surgery, a DNC, um, 
or uh, you can come back and, and birth her uh, tomorrow. But there's no rush because she's already been dead for months. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, and uh, so that night I didn't sleep. I went, drove myself home and I frantically Googled everything I could about miscarriage that night, trying to learn what the procedures would entail, what it even means to have a dead baby inside you. Um, and I went back and I, I went to birth her um, naturally or I got induced and then uh, vaginally birthed her because I chose that um, because I felt like that was the only motherly thing that I could do, um, that I wanted to kind of feel that um, pain. Um, I thought it would be a cathartic thing to sort of meet her that way. Um, it took 16 hours of induced labor, um, birthed her just like a normal baby and uh, uh, yeah, she could fit into the size of my hand. And uh, we had about a couple hours with her, sang her some songs, showed her some pictures of Takeo because he wasn't allowed into the hospital. Um, and uh, and then we went home. And uh, unfortunately, since I was laboring for so long and, and bleeding heavily, I ended up having to go back the next day because I lost too much blood. Um, and... Uh, and I had gotten an infection in my uterus, so I had a fever. And because it was COVID, I had to get isolated. And they forgot about me for about a day, um, for about 15 hours. Um, and so I wasn't treated or anything. I ended up having to get a blood transfusion, iron transfusion. And then I had to get the, uh, the DNC surgery afterwards to end up to, for them to scrape out all the pl- leftover placenta that was in there. So, I mean, it took about a week um, in and out of the hospital. Um, most of it was in isolation and by myself without any visitors. Um, and no one actually sort of dismissed me from the hospital because it was just, um, like I said, like chaos in there. <laughs> and they were just trying to clear the beds. And they're like, yeah, I guess you can just go. Um, they lost my clothes. So luckily I'd brought pajamas. So I walked myself out of the hospital, no baby in my arms, no clothes. I was in pajamas and then drove myself home and like, okay, now I have to parent my my, my toddler. Yes. Now I need to tell him where is his sister uh, because he, he could understand. He was um, over two at that time. Um, you know, he knew I was pregnant. He helped wash my belly every day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it was, it, was, it was a bit rough, but I mean, anyone's story is going to be rough. And I think it, I'm just wanting to share how long it kind of took because it's never just like a one day and mm-hmm. done thing you know and and although the hospital did I think try their best um to let me like leave or send me off without with a uh, care and with direction it was really like here's a four-page pamphlet read it at home see you later um so it is very isolating and everyone's there for you that you know, that day, that week, you get some flowers, those all wilt, those die. And then, and then you're supposed to move on. And, and I created my Instagram page, Mamas Matter Here, because I wasn't ready to move on. I wasn't done talking about her. This is my daughter, you know, like her name is Emiko. Like she means Mm -hmm. a beautiful blessing. Like she had a brother that already knew her. And I wanted to just like scream from the rooftops that like, Mm -hmm. I have this, I had this beautiful daughter and now she doesn't get any space in this world now you know um no one is going to talk about her and so I just felt that it was my duty to do that as a mother and um as her mother and we um ended up having a uh, service for her 
and we were really hesitant because it was during COVID and um and I thought am I making too big of a deal of this and Patty my husband and I were talking about and he's like well would we have one if if she had been a child and she died as a child would we have a service for her yeah we would so it was really nice that he validated me in that. He's like, so we're going to have a service for her now because she was still our daughter. And um, I thought that was just beautiful. And then Dean, actually, um, since you had done some services um, for people through the bar at Milltown, um, we asked him to be our MC and to um, baptize her. And it was the most beautiful thing because Dean totally validated our grief and didn't hesitate to say, yeah, of course I'll do it. You know, it wasn't like, oh, but she wasn't really alive, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and same with the Richmond uh, funeral home. They were great um, about saying like, of course, we'll give you that space and help you through this. So, yeah. um, I, and I know that's not for everyone either. You know, people want to grieve par- privately um, or people aren't ready to do that. Um, and uh, you just have to do what, what feels best, but then not be afraid of making other people uncomfortable that mm-hmm. you're making too big of a deal about it. And, you just have to do what's best for you. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember like coming over to you guys' place and it was so, it was that like we were next door neighbors and we'd always just like seen each other and chatted or whatever. And then because it was this weird zone of COVID, it's like, oh, are you like, are you okay to come over? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm coming over. Like, let's figure it out. And just hearing you and Patty say like, are we like, we really feel like we want to do this. Is this something that we should do have you ever done this before and I was like yes you should no I haven't but like yes Mm -hmm. this is so important and I mean I know for myself and like everybody in in that room and the people who are like virtual as well um it's like a resounding yeah this needed to happen Mm -hmm. and like you say it's it's not going to be for everyone like not everyone in your position is going to choose that but my goodness I I think that it was so important mm-hmm. and like, you know, I count it for sure as like one of, one of, it was such a privilege, right? Whenever you get to be present in that kind of capacity at someone's, you know, memorial or um, remembering or celebration ceremony, like it's, it's hard, but it is a privilege mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, yeah, when I see, see stuff on your Instagram, like it just takes me back to that moment. And I'm like, that was just such an important thing and in many ways it like set up this this community for you to continue right Mm -hmm. kind of like blazing a trail really because like there's not a lot of people I think that have done that and probably because they felt oh there's like nobody's done it so we shouldn't I guess Richmond Funeral Home said that was their first time ever doing it for a a a lost baby yeah. in stillbirth or, or late miscarriage. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You... I was surprised. And they're like, wow, this is an amazing new uh, avenue for business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, whatever. And, but they were great. You know, they, yeah. they donated the casket for her yeah. and the, the cremation was free. So it, it was a, I think it was eye-opening for them to realize that they could be there for families right? Um, and yeah. provide that space. So, yeah. 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 So it was very new, I think for, a lot of people yeah 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 thank you for for sharing that um that experience that you had and uh i think it's kind of what you and your husband were saying like if if a child was one month or two months old or three months old and they passed of course you would sell you know have have some sort of life celebration or Mm -hmm. memorial and of course there would be mourning and of course community would be there so it's it's wild to think you know those those 
you know, months or days that differ, you know, living and, and dying, like how we define or, or acknowledge or accept things societally, like mm-hmm. that a, 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 a child that died before getting to, you know, full term or whatever has a different, um, you know, people approach it differently than a child that was, you know, one or two months old and yeah. passed. It's, yeah. it's interesting. And, and same with, you know, you have a, lots of people have a doula or a midwife that kind of prepare you to bring life into the world Mm -hmm. that you'd kind of expect the same when a life passes through this world you know I know there are you know death doulas and and whatnot but it's it's not as common as it is to have a birth doula that's there to kind of coach you and prepare you and here you are at this moment of grief and loss and you're alone by yourself in a hospital without someone preparing you for this phase of life yeah you're there by yourself discovering your own grief and your own loss and your own sadness yeah I think that's such a good point I mean because all my all my knowledge and education was from that night before I had you know I was sent home from the ER and went back in yes um and then with the emotional support that the hospital gave which um, was a social worker I think like two days after she passed um, they came in and and spoke to me it wasn't like this is what's going to happen or anything like that so I I realized through my experience you know there is um, such little support during loss um, uh, in hospitals um, and that that's something like a that's a gap uh, that I'm wanting to fill so I'm in talks with some other uh, organizations that were going to make a booklet and Richmond Hospital, um, their labor labor and delivery ward um, agreed. They said, yeah, if you can create a little booklet, that's a lot more sort of um, uh, informative than the one that we had. If if there's something that, you know, does those like FAQs of like, this is what your baby could look like. This is what it may feel like. You know, it's not just going to be a heavy period. It's going to be a, so um, I think, having that kind of support is and creating that um it w- is something that i really am ambitious to uh fulfill and and do so yeah um i think that's so important like mm-hmm. just going back to what we talked about earlier like 25 percent of pregnancies like yeah. you know go in this direction to have you know no not the right not the right amount of support there for 25% of people yeah. going through pregnancies. I mean, is... you don't learn about it in sex ed. Yes. You don't, you know, we were saying how, you know, we thought it's so easy to get pregnant and, you know, uh, you just wink at a, a girl or a guy and then you get pregnant and it's not. And, and I never knew that loss could be something, you know, we're never taught in school about how to deal with death or how to deal with child loss or, um, and then uh, also in our, I took a, like a baby class or a pregnancy class with my with my son my first pregnancy which was like a eight-week course you know four hours every week and you learn everything about all the birthing positions and how to breathe and there was nothing on miscarriage Mm -hmm. or stillbirth zero or tfmr you know like there was nothing about it i mean they did like two minutes on a c-section and most you know a fourth of um births end up in c-section or more i think now so I, i think there needs to be a lot more education um like systemic education from Mm -hmm. the governments and healthcare system down. Um, But I think it, you know, it starts from people like me, like stirring the pot and and organizations. Well, I think, I think honestly, like it's so important because you're, you know, you're going to have a hand in creating this literature, this pamphlet or whatever it might be booklet. And it will be like 
information, but also compassion, mm-hmm. right? Versus yeah. sometimes you get a you get a double sided printout and it's just bullet points of you know these things and it can feel very just uh, sterile, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like it's not you just it doesn't help. Yeah. It's information, but it's not like compassionately delivered or given. And so, yeah, I think having having a hand in that, even in the story you shared about like the ultrasound tech and the doctors, like they they didn't even really know. And I mean, doctors are maybe notorious for not having the best bedside manner. Their profession is like the body and then they have to deal with the person that right, like, it belongs yeah. to, you know. But like even some training for them to like, yeah. how, you know, of course it's uncomfortable and, you know, nobody ever wants to deliver that kind of news, but like, maybe there should there should or could be something where it's like this is something that you could do or like if you're not comfortable like have that social worker come in and be there for the person Mm -hmm. so it's that more holistic care for sure and I had a so I had a sit down zoom um meeting with the social worker that I had interacted with during Emmy's passing and the head of the Richmond uh, labor and delivery nurses and they were both so excited to to think that they might be able to get new material they were so excited um, asking me, you know, if if you or anyone wants to come in and, and do training, you know, we would love that to have more of a compassionate, um, empathetic training. And uh, they said during the nursing uh, school, she said maybe there was like a class, maybe, you know, like 15 years ago that she took that might have talked about how to be compassionate and empathetic during um, child loss. So, I mean, it's the you know like the nicest people in the world are nurses and and doctors and everything but they're not given the tools um or the training or you know and the hospitals aren't given the money and the funding to um you know provide that empathetic care and i think that is definitely something that um um you know we need to be pushing more and by having these conversations i think it it makes people realize like oh wow yeah there is a lot more to it yeah yeah oh yeah for sure so I think in, in sharing your story, like it just shines light for for others. So so I just want to ask some questions on your, your story to allow others to kind of experience their, their own. Mm-hmm. Um, so you already had your son at home and you're going through this loss. Like how did you go home to parent your, your son while going through this? Like what, what was that experience like for you? Like how what was like the ebb and flow of your, your mental health while trying to like show up for, for your son and, and be the loving mother that you are for him? Like, what was that experience like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And, and, uh, uh, like two things I owe my son so much for, you know, making, it's like, I guess like having a dog, you have to like take him out to go pee. You you have to get outside (laughs) with my son. Like I had to get up and feed him and, you know, entertain him. Um, having that as a distraction was so important uh, to my healing and having, um, my husband around having a supportive partner, um, was so important because he could take that load off, um, when I, you know, needed to stay in bed and, and just cry. Um, trying to, Uh, teach my son about death and normalize conversations about death and dying and and his sister um, uh, has been so helpful in me recognizing that you know death just needs to be um, talked about and normalized a lot more Um, I think talking to your child in age-appropriate language um, I'm still learning so much but I mean using just concrete simple language um, you know Emmy's body wasn't working and so she died, and so she's not going to be with us. 
um, you know, I think staying away from like, oh, she was sick and then she died means uh, could make a child think if I ever get sick, I'm going to die. Or if my mom ever gets sick, they may die or she may die. So um, using just really simple language. And there's a, a great support. I don't know if um, I can list resources after, but um, a kids grief support on Instagram, um, a woman who does uh, child support um, therapy, um, but has lots of different tips on how to speak to children about death um, at the different stages, the different ages um, and doing, you know, different activities uh, like that. So uh, one thing that was important to me was, you know, trying to get books that would help explain um, Emmy's passing to him. Uh, so there are some great children's books out there about uh, loss and sibling loss. Um, and he really, he understands death and has accepted death more than I ever have in my like 37 years. And he's, you know, four now. Like he's, <laughs> he totally gets it and um, isn't afraid of it like like I am and I think that just goes to show if you can just, he can ask questions. You know, he feels safe that he can ask questions about death. The other day he was like, oh, there's an Emmy in my class, but she's not dead. Why is my Emmy dead? And and this Emmy isn't, my friend Emmy isn't. Um, you know, and being able to say like, well, your sister um, like died in my tummy and then she had to come out, but she, she can't be with us because um, her body didn't work and there's lots of, you know, it's different. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's great that he can ask those conversations. Um, but going back to your question about how was it parenting after loss? Like it was freaking hard. Yeah. And, and it made me feel like I was supposed to be moving on. And why should I be sad when I have a living child? Um, because I should just be happy. I have one. Um, uh, and it, uh, I think it's, sorry, I'm kind of, yeah, it's a hard, it's obviously hard to like process two things yeah. while, you know, grieving one thing while having to show up day to day for, for mm -hmm. others, you know? Yeah. Did, what was it like, um, you know, with anything, there's like the big questions of like, how was it moving through like the why, like thinking about like why this happened? Like, does it connect you to a faith or does it just, just connect you to you know medical um like these are things that happen to one in four children or like what was that process like like the questioning yeah i think um you know i think uh mom guilt um mm. exists whether your child is alive or dead yes. so like i yes. have a lot of guilt um for you know i just fed my son mcdonald's today i have a lot of guilt for that but i also have a lot of guilt um and irrational guilt that like was it something I ate? Was it something I did? Um, you know, even Patty, even partners have this. You know, he um, said to me, like, was it because I didn't talk to her enough? Like, did she, maybe she didn't think her her dad loved her enough mm -hmm. to, that, to stay. And it's all these irrational things that are so, weigh so heavily mm -hmm. on us. Um, I, I felt like being told, oh, it happens all the time, Ayako. Yes. Like, it's okay. You're just one in four or whatever. That actually didn't really help me. Um, at the beginning because I felt like, no, 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 but it, I'm not, it wasn't just anyone. Like that was my daughter. This is my life and I've never gone through it. So it's completely new to me yeah. and no one around me is talking about it. Yes. So I felt like I was one in a million because there were a million people around me, not 
Well, it takes it takes away the individualness of, of yeah. the matter. Like yeah. if saying it's one in four is like a number, but it's not an individual. Yeah, right. so true. When it feels like it normalizes something that like is very non-normal, mm-hmm. and like it's buried in that. So someone's good intentions might be like, yes. hey, like you know what happens, but like you said, people aren't talking about it. So now it feels like. Well, I'm just supposed to be okay with it because it happens all the time. Yeah. But I'm not okay with it because like it's it's this is the first time I've ever experienced this. Yeah. And this is like one of the hardest, if not the hardest thing I've ever gone through. So don't one in four me. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> yeah. it doesn't don't yeah. In some ways someone trying to be helpful and say, yeah. Hey, there's others, right? You can say that, but not in a sense that like minimizes what that person mm-hmm. is going through in front of you. And I think that kind of moves into language. Yeah, that's um, that. Um, that, you know, I talk a lot about language and what can be helpful and not helpful um, on my page. And I often say like the only person that should start a sentence with at least about my baby is myself. If there's going to be any silver lining about why my baby died, I'll be the one that brings it up. Right. Don't tell me like, at least you have a son. Like, well, at least you can try again. Like, oh, at least you get to, you know, have sex every month and then you can keep trying. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's it's not what I don't want to um, try again. I want that baby, you know. And um, I think also another thing about language um, that I'm, I'm learning myself is following the lead of the griever. Mm. Um, you know, for me, I, you probably noticed, I don't mind using the word dead or that my baby died. Um, a lot of people still don't, are not comfortable with, uh, the D word, you know, um, whereas I feel like by reclaiming that word, I'm validating that she lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm taking away the fear of that death. Um, so, I mean, I use it. So people around me are allowed to use it. I think also, um, with language and being a support person, if you don't know what to say, that's totally okay. Tell, but tell them that. Mm. Hey, you know what? Like, or text them that. I don't really know what to say. I've never been around someone that has had a loss, but I'm going to drop off cookies today on your doorstep. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, yeah. and don't stop checking back in um, with uh, that friend. Um, or, you know, saying like, if you ever want to share a picture or your story or, or share a picture of your baby or your story, like, I'd love to go for a walk with you or something like that. Um, allowing the griever to know that they have an opening, um, in that conversation and in that relationship that they can come back to. And, um, I think, uh, yeah, also the language of, you know, not minimizing their feelings, not making them move on a linear path of grief but saying like you ever want to you know circle back to that or on any anniversary Mm -hmm. texting them and saying thinking about you today or or you know um on the father's day i was putting out things about you can say you know oh i saw a hummingbird today and i i thought of emmy and i'm thinking of you it must be a hard day today or um i think just just talking about it more and taking action more um, can really go a long way for people grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, that's those are all really, really important and helpful things for people to remember. Uh, so often, it's like people's good intentions get in the way <laughs> or they, they don't have the words to communicate what they're feeling and thinking. And so they, they say like the at least statement or mm-hmm. some sort of, you know, platitude 
that is actually infuriating and quite hurtful and not mm-hmm. necessarily coming. They're not coming from that place. Obviously no one wants to add more pain to a situation, but yeah, sometimes just being really thoughtful. And I love how you said like putting, putting that person who's going through the grief first and like letting them lead. Mm-hmm. Cause oftentimes like there's nothing, there's nothing you can say. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been around enough people who've experienced loss. There's no words that you can say that will make it better. So like, don't try to make it better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that was my thing before I lost Emmy. <clears throat> I was the at least person. Yeah. I mm-hmm. was the person thinking like, oh, you just got to be happy. You got to be happy. So let me just, you know, say something that you should be happy for. You know, you should be feeling this way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I realized I wasn't validating that person's grief. And I was like, again, with our society, we're so afraid of being sad. Yes. You know, like, everything has to be happy, you know, yes. toxic positivity. And yes. um, I thought, well, if I just distract them or try and say they shouldn't be sad, somehow it's going to magically make it better. And it's not. And it's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. It's okay to grieve. You know, grief is love. Grief is all that unspoken love that we haven't been able to share to uh, the people who have passed. So, um, yeah. It's, it's interesting how we're so scared to be uncomfortable with anything you know like if a conversation makes us uncomfortable instead of just going into that discomfort Mm -hmm. and having a conversation because that's all it it is 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 like exploring that that conversation with with somebody we like dean said we bring in these these euphemisms or we get awkward or uncomfortable and and it often becomes the person that's grieving that is trying to comfort the the person (laughs) that is is trying to show up yeah but i think if we were just brave and bold enough to go to places that make us uncomfortable or make us sad then then we can hopefully show up for others and learn that we can go to these places and Mm -hmm. we can heal in community and it doesn't have to be so individualistic and solo, you know, by yourself. And, you know, talking to friends that have gone through this, so many people just, you know, stay in the dark with their own experiences and stories and, and don't tell anybody. And I think, you know, if that's a choice, that's that's fine. But if it's out of fear or or discomfort or whatever, like uh, there needs to be space for people to, to grieve and share these experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think like just what you're doing and sharing your story and creating a platform for, for mothers and, and for parents is just so beautiful and so needed. So, um, just, you know, wanting to acknowledge and, and pass gratitude for that. And Thanks. Yeah. I, I think the language is a big one too, because I think part of our discomfort and, and awkwardness comes from language. Like what, what words do we use? And I've seen, I've seen, you know, different language on your, on your Instagram feed of, of you know rainbow children and um you know not using you know the language of miscarriage as much or or you know my baby died in this in this period can can we kind of talk about some of that language so that we can be better equipped to have these conversations yeah um and again you know i'm not saying this is the way um there's i'm sure going to be people listening that have had endured a loss and they're gonna be like no 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 i i don't like that or i like this or um so in my experience um for me that uh i think a lot of the language um firstly is very clinical you know it comes from that medical doctor standpoint where you had um uh, you know, a chemical pregnancy, which is a very early um, pregnancy loss. Um, but a chemical pregnancy doesn't really reflect how 
um, how much your life changes as soon as you see those double lines or, you know, um, I think it minimizes that. So for a chemical pregnancy, a lot of people like the term early pregnancy loss. Um, and, uh, you know, so miscarriage is a, is a loss of a pregnancy up until 20 weeks and I believe, and then 20 or 21 weeks and then 21 weeks on, it becomes a stillbirth. Um, uh, since I, uh, lost Emmy at around 19 weeks, it's a miscarriage. But for me, I went through labor and birthed her. I kind of feel like it was an early stillbirth. Um, there's a, uh, uh, company named peanut. Uh, I think it's just at peanut on, on Instagram and they are a a pregnancy and mother um, support network um, and community. And they uh, worked with a bunch of um, doctors um, and OBs, and they created a more compassionate language guide of translating all the clinical, you know, um, uh, lang- uh, terminology to, to something a little bit more compassionate. Um, and uh, I think, uh, so also, you know, using pregnancy loss, that encapsulates anyone that has had to endure a pregnancy, uh, uh, death during the pregnancy. Um, but a lot of parents who have had to terminally medi- uh, or terminate um, a pregnancy due for medical reasons don't feel included in that because they said it wasn't like a loss. It just, this baby didn't just die. Like they had to go through that impossible decision-making process of making the hardest um, decision to, to have to end uh, the pregnancy. So a lot of people say pre- baby loss or pregnancy loss and TFMR. Um, and, then, and then if you use baby loss, I feel that's the most all-encompassing mm-hmm. um, and inclusive word because then it also includes the neonatal and infant death. Um, and again, like I don't mind using the word death um, I didn't lose my baby. I didn't, you know, she didn't go missing. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I also, you know, didn't carry her wrong. You know, it wasn't my, I think miscarry also can have the connotation of like, it was my fault. Um, So again, like it's, it's hard. I think following the language of the griever, if they say, oh, I lost my baby, then maybe just say like lost, Mm -hmm. you know, you can follow up on that. Um, And uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's so hard because everyone's so individual. But, um, you know, I think the other thing is if you don't know, ask them. Right. Like, do you, do you like, or, you know, ask them, like, did your baby have a name? And then just go by yes. Emmy, you know? Like, you yeah. don't have to say, like, this, you know, um, other creature thing. You know, like, it, it was a baby. It, it yes. had a name. Um, just ask them what they're comfortable with. Um, um, but, yeah, I really like being able to reclaim the word death. And, and again, you know, validate her life and these babies' lives. Yeah. Um, I just want to circle back to the idea of, like, grief, because I think that's really important. It's kind of central to, like, what you've done and are doing in terms of, like, helping people with their grief and to navigate it and to to use it, like, mm-hmm. as as a as a tool almost for like healing but also like holding space and making space for other people to process theirs and like i say we've talked about like kind of people keeping it in the shadows and and you're someone who's been really really brave and vulnerable uh with your story and your grief so can you talk about like bringing grief uh into your life in like a really intentional way and i know that you Mm -hmm. know even recently i think you did a reel where it was like grief 
kind of shows up unannounced at times. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, and maybe that's the back and forth. But how how have you seen, um, or how have you tried to intentionally, like, uh, bring bring grief or be aware of it and not just like try to hide it away or whatever and maybe you can talk about how that has motivated you to do some of the things that you've done to like help other people who've walked a similar journey as to you for sure yeah I think um being intentional about how we commemorate our children um is so important to give them that space in our lives um to it's important to have that space because then it reminds us that it wasn't, they weren't just a child in the past, you know, I'm still their mother. Um, just as if they were alive, I would be my child's mother until I died. So, um, I think creating new traditions within your family, or if you, if you don't have living children yet, then, um, with your partner or just with yourself, um, is really important. So things like that, you know, holidays are a really hard thing. So some examples would be, um, you know, in a Christmas photo or your Christmas postcard, you can sign it with everybody's name, including Emmy or your, your child. Um, you can include a memento or I include her ashes, box of ashes in our family photos. Um, so I know that, you know, she's included in that, in that family um, space. I try to do things that I would like to have done with her, um, with uh, Takeo and, uh, I think also um, giving her space. So on the anniversaries, um, some people have cakes, you know, for a birthday, they celebrate. Um, What I've done, because I know it is so meaningful to hear someone else speak my baby's name, um, is I've done a rose petal release um, the past two years. And so what I've done is asked for lost parents to share their baby's name with me and a little bit about them if they want. And I have written their children's names each on their own rose petal. And then we scattered them in in the Fraser River um, down by Steveston. And uh, the first year we had 444 babies' names. um, Yeah, Hmm. added. And then this past year we did it on Bereaved Mother's Day, which is the Sunday before regular Mother's Day in May. And we had over 1,200 babies names added and uh and people could include a story about their child and I thought okay maybe one or two people would want to share a story about um, their baby to me and the couple volunteers that helped me and I ended up printing about 65 pages worth of the baby names and all their stories and I think probably 95 percent of these parents had wanted to talk to type about their child like it just goes to show that people are just searching for ways to honor their babies and they're just looking for someone else in the world to like validate their lives and give them that space and you know a lot of people have messaged me that like that was their celebration of life was like Mm -hmm. watching my live stream of of the rose petal um toss or you know that they had only told us that name and they had never you know hadn't even told their parents because they would be you know shunned in their culture Mm -hmm. um so people from all over the world are coming out and and you know really trying to find that space and community and um and I think creating these new little traditions you know a lot of a couple families they had gone out and bought their own acrylic pens and done that 
for themselves on their on their kids uh, anniversary so seeing how these new traditions can be included in your life it, it allows you to keep on living you know and to be allowed like allowing yourself like okay I can feel joyful because I'm still honoring um, my baby you know like when I go to the beach I used to feel guilty that I was like happy playing on the beach with my son but then I started uh, a lost mom um, told me that she writes her son's name in the sand every time she goes there and I started doing that and it you know I'm getting goosebumps because I love writing Emmy in the sand and I leave it and maybe someone will talk about her mm-hmm. or maybe you know and then I I give gratitude to the sunset that we see because I'm like oh that's Emmy you know I think um a lot of people and and I would be looking for signs and ways to connect in nature with um, my baby and um, by doing these little things um or you know asking Takeo to pick a flower for his sister it 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 allows me to continue yeah just being okay with life and knowing that I'm not forgetting about her and feeling you know releasing that mom guilt Mm. that I'm still breathing and she isn't well I I love that grieving with intention Mm because I think just thinking about hard things that I've experienced in my life often I try to just distract until I forget and that's just like the opposite you know and Mm -hmm. that's what we shouldn't be doing if you can grieve with intention it brings celebration it brings honor it brings new traditions it brings like a legacy to its own Mm -hmm. and I, I just I think that's so beautiful and I think that is that fusion of like grief and happiness that you were talking about because you are living and you're sharing this living lived experience with, with Emmy. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. And I think, you know, whether it's, it's child loss or, or just grief, I think there's lessons for, for everybody and how you bringing intention and, and honor and um, love and compassion Mm -hmm. into this. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, not shying away from the death. And I, yeah, I wanted to add that it can, anyone that has lost uh, any family member or friend can can honor their relatives and friends in, in these meaningful and intentional ways. And I think it makes, again, the death less scary. It makes them feel, you know, not as far away uh, and not as, you know, the finality of death isn't uh, as black and white anymore. Mm-hmm. has it changed your perspective on on living on that side of of life um since you've experienced this like you had this this quote that i found so profound on your instagram and something that i'd never even thought of um like pregnancy loss is the closest to death one can get um can you kind of share elaborate on that quote and just maybe touch on how has it connected you more to death and living like both polar- pol- polarities um, and kind of the, the, the black and the white of, of kind of the day to day? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think, yeah. So the, the quote is uh, pregnancy loss is the closest we will physically get to death without dying ourselves. Death inhabited our bodies. We had to labor and push it out of us. And then we held death in our hands. Um, and I think what is so profound and so jarring about baby loss is that it's an out of order death. Um, we, you know, we know that, you know, when you get old, when you get um, really sick, then you can pass away. But when it's a life, when, when there's death before even life, or, you know, when you're going through this pregnancy that we were all told will automatically end in a baby, 
um, ends, you know, you're like, what, how does that even happen? And it's, it's, yeah, I think to, to, to think about, um, you know, I've, I've said on my page that my body was Emmy's first coffin, you know, Mm -hmm. she floated in me for, for a month and, you know, it's, it's pretty like people might be like cringing right now, but I, I think it's just a reality. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it's, it's a, it's a, hun- a really hard thing to wrap your head around and to grieve as a mother that your baby, you know, has already passed. And I think one thing, if any um, lost parents are are out there right now listening, is that um, one thing that really has helped me is that when um, you are growing a baby inside of you, their cells and your cells commingle, and um, it's like mitrometriosis or something. Um, anyway, and so their cells go inside your body and um, uh, the baby cells can be found in, your, in a mother's body for years and years and years afterwards. Um, and uh, it's been said that if a mother is having heart issues, those baby cells will rush to the heart hmm. to, to help um, heal it because it's, you know, fresh, new baby cells and um i think knowing that emmy lives on through me and that uh my uh rainbow baby so the baby after a loss um she was uh you know she grew in the same uterus your all your babies share the one uterus um that she grew in there that she had absorbed some of emmy's cells and that emmy lives on through coco and uh I think that has also really helped me. And uh, another thing we were kind of talking about, you know, um, uh, seeing psychics or mediums or things. And I went to a, a Steveston um, a girl, Kimmy, who does Reiki. And uh, she had, you know, she had gone sort of messages and signs from Emmy. And we were doing Reiki actually to kind of prepare Coco for birth it was a week before um my plan c-section and this was my um rainbow baby so after uh, emmy's passing and we i was so worried about coco you know just coming into the world so quickly with a c-section that it might be a hard transition and uh so kimmy was um kind of trying to visualize for her that it it may be a really fast and harsh but but it's going to be okay and she kind of just gave pause and she got this overwhelming like sense of like calm and like relief and and then she got an image in her mind that was two little girls with their um um backs facing her um with their arms over each other and sort of and she knew instantly one was the baby that was coming and one was emmy and she got this kind of message and it was like we're okay like Mm -hmm. we're like emmy was like i got her like don't don't worry like we're fine but you should worry about our mom because she's like freaking out. <laughs> They're like, you need to, you need to like do some Reiki on her head. Um, so, so just like having those little moments was, uh, was just so profound and really um, lovely to help me wrap my head around this, mm-hmm. this kind of loss. Yeah. Cause that must've been, that must've been kind of a whole nother level of like processing is, is, you know, finding out again, okay, now we're pregnant again and like this journey you know once with Takeo once with Emmy and now again and so what was that like for you was that a bit of like an emotional roller coaster was there a lot of 
fear, anxiety? Was there, were you trusting the process? Like how, yeah, all no, of the above? Yeah, I was so <laughs> scared. Um, so yeah, so pregnancy after loss or PAL, it's often called. Um, yeah, it's just like a beast. Like yeah. it was, it just brings back all the triggers and all, because the last time you, I was pregnant, my baby died. Yeah. So, you know, even my OB was like, you know, you're, you're allowed to, feel afraid yeah. because literally the worst thing has already happened to you and your body is, you know, it's like muscle memory when, um, now that you are pregnant again, the last thing like that, these muscles, your uterus, everything went through was death. Mm. Right. So all those feelings may come back. So it was really, really, really hard. I really had to lean on, you know, the online community, um, and other mom, local moms that have uh, gone through pregnancy after loss um, to just kind of just keep my anxiety at bay. Um, luckily, like I am on medication. Um, I started that actually when I was pregnant with Takeo because I had prepartum depression with that. Um, so I felt a little bit more, well, not at ease at all, but like, you know, I, I had that support. And uh, another thing was I was registered with the Reproductive Mental Health Unit um, at Richmond Hospital. So most, if not all, um, BC hospitals, if not across Canada, um, have a reproductive mental health unit um, that is free to access. It can take months um, after your referral to get in, but you will be um, assigned a, a psychiatrist and a social worker, and they can help you through that mental health aspect. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to go on medication at all. Um, it means that there is support for you. So I had that in place for my pregnancy after loss, and um, I went in for my appointment and, you know, I was saying, I'm so scared. I'm so, I don't know what if, what's going to happen. Like, what if it happens again? And she's like, well, you know, it may, but you will never be as alone and as unprepared as you were the first time. Mm -hmm. Like you've got us, you're already in the system. You have your partner, you've already been through this, you know, you already know kind of the signs and you're a lot more educated about it. So yeah, there was never like a right time for us to be pregnant after loss and but it's you know they say you know like courage is being afraid but doing it anyway mm. and I think like the you know bravest mother parent of all has to be one that has had to say goodbye and and lose a your child and then the next one is someone who's had to willingly go through another pregnancy process unknowing if if they're going to meet their baby but I always knew that I would never take away my experience with Emmy. I would never take away that pregnancy and, and that loss and her death just to save myself the pain. You know, she, I was meant, meant to meet her. I was meant to be her mom. So if this new pregnancy didn't work out, I would rather almost get to meet my baby mm -hmm. than, than not at all. So. Wow. Yeah, so powerful. It's um, just kind of going back to where we started things. Like we... There's kind of moments for, we celebrate so many things in life, um, you know, births and birthdays and anniversaries and weddings. And when it comes to, to loss, it's just something that we neglect. Like I, it's, it's kind of a funny observation, but um, during, during uh, my university time, one of my fellow students did a project on, on kind of documenting the many steps in life and in photography, you know, you'll get a photographer for a birthday and you'll get a photographer for a wedding and you'll get a photographer for that big sports game or that big concert. But like 
when it comes to grieving and death and passing, we just like, we don't bring that same celebration or mm -hmm. remembrance to it. Um, mm -hmm. cause there's never photographers at funerals and photographers at memorials and stuff like that. And I think like, you know, I'm speaking, um, figuratively that like, you know, the, the photographer can be like how we approach these things that we can, we can bring joy and celebration mm -hmm. and remembrance and, and honoring to these experiences, just like we do all of the things that we, we celebrate. Yeah. Such a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I just want to uh, thank you again for, for sharing your stories and, and being a light for so many people that kind of live these experiences in darkness and don't know how to find the light. And I think you are, are a pioneer, you know, setting that path. And I think for, a lot of people like Dean and myself that, you know, are, weren't aware of, of these, these losses and these experiences. Like we're, we're grateful that you're casting this net, you know, beyond motherhood. It's to, to all humans. And, um, maybe we can wrap up with some resources and, and for people that are wanting to learn more on their own journey, you know, obviously your Instagram's an amazing place to go, but if people want to continue their, their learning and their healing or, their, I don't even know if healing is the right word, their celebrations, yeah. um, their honoring. Um, what are, where, where are some resources, what are some resources that you've discovered or shared along your, your own way? Yeah. So, um, there are, I mean, there are some really great ones. Um, a Canadian one, uh, it's an organ, nonprofit organization based in Calgary called Pregnancy and Infant Loss Support association <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll we'll throw it all yeah, the show well, notes yeah and then um uh anyway so they have their it's all free support groups so they have um a peer um uh hotline and texting line so you can have peer-to-peer -peer, um therapy and support and uh and then they have support groups that are specific to um you know people of color who have experienced loss um for partners um, for LGBTQ um, people who have had loss so they've got a lot of things happening almost daily um, all via Zoom um, so they are a really great resource and uh, important to lean on I think to not feel so alone um, there's also I think for like a more um, empathetic sort of FAQ guide of like what it may be like to actually go through the process of grief of uh, sorry of pregnancy loss is a stillbirth foundation australia on their website they have you know a lot of things about when you from when you enter the hospital to when you you know a year later um what the steps may look like um so if someone's currently experienced loss i would definitely um go to them and uh um so, you know there's lots of really uh, great books um, grief and loss and um, there's I had a miscarriage um, by Dr. Zucker and uh, there's a, a book by a Vancouver author um, it's called Still and that is we, we can so find it if we're missing we'll find authors it. yeah or, anyway yeah, no that's uh, oh, Emma, Emma Hansen oh okay yeah another Steveston uh, neighbor around here yes yes yeah yeah so that's um, Rick Hansen's daughter. Yes. Um, and that is just a beautiful book. Um, a, uh, a book for, uh, two books for children. If you have, um, uh, children, living children, 
Um, there's one called um, Still, um, or sorry, Some Babies. Yeah. Um, and there is another one um, by their handle is at Lost Books, and they create personalized um, children's books um, for any type of uh, uh, grief, or so that you can put in if your grandparent passed away, you yep. put in what you know what they look like, their name, and then they print it specific to um, sort of talking and walking a child through that loss of the grandparent or sibling or um, aunt or any or parent um, there it's a really lovely book and and we have that for Takeo and uh, and then also I have uh, my little company called Emmy and Company um, which creates uh, sort of mini journal self-help greeting cards um, so there is three sets um, the main one that I have is an angel baby card set so you write these greeting cards directly to your lost baby I have writing prompts inside of there and it's again goes back to um, my idea that it's important to continue building your relationship with your lost children just as much as it is to have your living babies um so it's like uh birthday cards a winter holiday card and just little times to um opportunities to have intentional ways to grieve and connect um with your child and if you can't think of you know things to talk about then there are those prompts in there um and that's been um very popular and and handy i think for a lot of parents and then i have one for you know, just self, you know, self care and self love for adults, and then for kids mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. that's Emmy and Company. Yeah, I think I, I love that self care aspect because I think you know, thinking of yourself and others is just impo- as important to take care of ourselves that are going through loss and our our friends that are going through loss as it is to honor those that mm-hmm. we've lost. Um, so I love that kind of full circle. Um, approach to living and loving and healing. Um, what about any like TV shows or movies? I know like Coco was a good one for for my son just to understand like you know life and and death and that was kind of an eye opening one for him that brought yeah. on like lots of curiosity and conversation. Oh, and good. I even remember with Dean like <laughs> there we were at the park this one time and like there's. I was just avoiding uncomfortable conversations with, with my first son, Finn, and there was, like, a dead bee on the ground or something, and I think Jojo was like, oh, it's dead, and I used to, like, I don't know why, just probably because I was scared to have these conversations, like, uh-huh. oh, they're having a nap, or uh-huh. they're sleeping, like, just leave them alone, they'll wake up later, and Jojo was just like, no, it's dead, and then I was like, <laughs> Dean, Dean, how do I talk about this, and he's like, just tell him that the bee's dead, like, just yeah. be honest, and I right? think, like, yeah. That's one of the things I'm I'm taking away from this conversation is like, you know, go into those hard spots, those uncomfortable spots and have honest conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it's also as a parent, OK, to say, like, I don't know, like, yes. it's a great question. Like, can I get back to you on that? Yes. Um, you know, and then get or, you know, even if you get overwhelmed or you're, you're you get upset thinking about, um, you know, the bee or, you yes. know, the 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 child that has died and you don't know how to talk about it, just, you know, ask if you can for it to circle back to it because you don't need to talk about it when you're super emotional. And yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, just leaning into the uncomfortable conversations, I think is, you know, the 
word on the street for yeah. any part of our life and what's going yeah. on in society now, yeah. right? So for sure. I think it's great we're at a, a point where we are, you know, having these podcasts that like even, you know, give space to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's, this didn't exist, I feel, even a few years ago. So right. um, yeah, it's so important. It's so great what you guys are doing. I really appreciate it. Well, it's really an honor and a privilege and um yeah, I'm so grateful for the space that you hold and mm-hmm. for your time today and, and educating and and lighting up a path of possibility and positivity and, and remembrance and honor and totally. Um we always have one kinda fun question that we end things on that kinda brings different meanings and different answers for everyone. Okay. Do you know you wanna sure. closer home? Dean's are closer. I was he's the, he's the quarterback. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Zach and I, like when we started the podcast, we wanted to have like meaningful uh, conversations with like people who are doing interesting things or just like creating community and and rallying people's support and whatever it might be. We just like knew that that's something we wanted to do, and we were out running one day, and Zach's like, "Yeah, I was thinking about a name. What do you think about a little more good?" And as soon as he said it, I was like, oh my God, like that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like that's so perfect. And, you know, we always, we always chat about like what it could mean and, and we, we want to, that's what we want to see in the world. Just like everyone being a little more good, doing a little more good, living it out. Yeah. But uh, it's been awesome to hear from the guests that we have on, like what that means to them. And it's always different. And so for you, Ayako, what does that mean? That phrase, a little more good. Yeah, I think it, uh, it makes okay so i think it means for me it means that whatever one someone is passionate about or or wants to do good in the world just do that you know i feel think that people are so get so overwhelmed that they have to you know care about the oceans and the water and then the for, rainforest and everything that they're just so overwhelmed they don't even do anything mm. um and i think a little more good is such a like uh an approachable way to make the world better And I think if we all just do that little thing, you know, for me right now, it's, um, you know, talking about baby loss, um, you know, some people might be about cats. Like if you, if that is what you're into, then like follow that passion and, and follow that and do a little bit more good with cats and cat, cat lives or whatever. Right. Then do that. That's great. And, and I think it, yeah, it just makes it a little bit easier. So yeah, I love, I've always loved the name of your podcast because it is it makes it feel like we can reach those goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So setting our sights, small, tangible little goals. I don't know. Is that okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's perfect. Yeah. Perfectly perfect. I love it. And I think that you embody it, like you live it, right? I mean, you took something that, that is incredibly hard and you've been able to utilize that to help people, right? And to bring awareness, uh, sh- shine light on something that we typically would like not be public with and and you've kind of like pulled the curtain back and said no this is an important conversation and you know the lives of our children matter and we're going to talk about it we're going to celebrate them and we're going to grieve and celebrate and laugh and cry and all of the things in this cyclical mm-hmm. pattern and I think it's just it's so important and so we're, we're grateful for your voice um, grateful for the work that you are doing and we'll continue to do and just want to yeah have you on to to celebrate you and say thank you and encourage you and thank and you. hopefully you know um this conversation has helped someone listening or even just enlighten them to like these conversations are happening and need to happen. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if we could make a positive impact in someone's life, um, that's, that's what it's all about. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thanks. Yeah. There were, so there were like two 
one thing that I wanted to say. Yeah. Just or whatever. We can no. not include it or whatever. Not, but not include it. Include um, it. Just that it, I wanted people to know or anyone listening that it's never too late to start honoring your grief. Um, that it's never, you know, you never need to feel guilty about, about not doing these big extravagant um, things or not being vocal, but now you want to be 10 years later, like that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, it's never, yeah, it's never too late. Um, I know my husband's mom um, had a neonatal um, death, his sister, and he didn't even know really that he had a sister um, until I asked him about about 10 years ago and he's 40. So, and now his mother is starting to grieve and really um, speak up about that experience. And I think, um, you know, it, it's never too late. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's so Yeah. Good. I think that's perfect. Um, yeah. It's, oh. ne- it's never too late. What else do you got? You got a few, Sorry, more, yeah, you got yeah. a few <laughs> more things up your sleeve. Um, that I just wanted to say about, um, you know, I, I, we've, spoken about me being so like vocal and like pulling back the curtain and I and I love that that's how I grieve and that you know is by like taking action being really loud (laughs) my husband would like not say that's like a positive thing because I'm just loud about everything but if someone's listening and they've injured a loss and they aren't comfortable being loud like that is also okay right like no one has to um you know shake the stick or whatever um if they're not comfortable that way, what I do ask is like lean on those who are being loud for you. Um, you know, lean on the online community if you don't have it an in-person community um, around loss, which is like why I had to create mine. Um, but like, it's okay. Like everyone grieves differently and and it's okay if you're loud. It's okay if you're quiet. And, and that will change day to day too or minute to minute on how you want to express your grief. Yeah, I love that. I can it can change minute to minute and day by day, and and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, before we wrap, do you have any, you know, words for for mothers, mothers of children, mothers of loss? Um, do you have any words of love or uh, c- encouragement or compassion that you want to, you know, wrap this up with? Um, just that you're doing a good job. Mm we're always hardest on ourselves and you're a good mother regardless if your baby is alive or has passed you're still a good mom to them and you deserve that title of being mother and parent and uh if you ever need support if you're feeling alone please dm me on my instagram account like i usually write back to everybody and you deserve to have your grief and motherhood validated Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Okay. So there you have it. Um, Yeah. Like I say, you know, hard at times to to wrap our heads around tragedy and loss like that, but so important. It's part of our collective human experience, right? We we know that uh, it's it's the rhythm of life, birth, death. And unfortunately, sometimes those things are way too close. And um, But it's part of our human experience, suffering and understanding what to do with it. And so just grateful for the wisdom and experience and, and just openness that IACO brings to the table and raising the level of conversation around this kind of stuff. So 
So if someone listened to this and they want to uh, continue their journey with IACO, uh, continue their learnings and, and just share community, where are the best places to find her? Yeah, she's very active on her uh, Instagram profile. So it's uh, Mama's Matter here. And you can find her on Instagram. She also has a, a cool little company dedicated to her daughter, Emmy. Uh, it's at Emmy and Company. And um, so you can find little things that she's making there. And yeah, follow along with her and her journey. But she um, organizes like meetups and cool events, even just th- through like the virtual uh, platform. But there is uh, on her on her Instagram, lots of resources, events, different ways to honor um, lost children and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, if you are someone who wants to connect with her, please do. She's very open. Or if you know someone who may benefit from her, just share the profile, share this episode um, so that people can know they're not alone and that um, you don't have to be someone who suffers just quietly, but you have a community. All right. Well, thank you everybody for, for listening this week. We appreciate you all. We're, we're ever so grateful for all of your listens, all of your shares. Uh, We look forward to uh, sharing conversation with y'all. Same time, same place next week. Yes, yes, yes. Be well, friends. Peace. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.